0: Hebrews chapter 3 is where we're at uh, this morning. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 and 13. We're going to finish off the chapter. Last week we looked at pretty much everything else in the chapter but these two verses. So I want to read these two verses and we are going to jump into some very practical things today. Okay? So verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Father, help us to be the church to one another. God, give us grace to love each other, to come alongside one another with truth, with encouragement, with exhortation. God, keep us believing. Christ's name, amen. Last week we looked at the mark of a true believer. If you remember verse 6 and verse 14 say essentially the same thing. Verse 6 says... We are His house. We're His people. If, indeed, we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope to the end. Verse 14 says, We share in Christ. We're united to Christ. We're born-again believers. That's what that means. If, indeed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Basically, what those two verses are saying is that the mark of a genuine believer is that he makes it all the way to the end. He not only starts the Christian life, but he also finishes the Christian life. He keeps believing, okay? That is the mark of a genuine believer. Now, verse 12 and 13 give us some practical how, how how-to of how is God going to accomplish that. How is God going to accomplish bringing every born-again believer who is genuinely connected to Christ all the way through tribulation and trials and persecution and martyrdom and, and horrible things and cancer and tough times. How's, how's God going to keep us believing? How, how will God do that? That is what verse 12 and 13 talk about. Verse 12 talks about us paying attention to each other's hearts, okay? Our own hearts and to each other's hearts. Notice in verse 12, it says, Take care, brethren. That word take care means give attention to, pay attention to, you know, Um, Give effort to, all right, the condition of your heart. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. The way that God is going to keep us believing is by guarding our hearts from unbelief, okay? Because if you remember from last week, the root of every sin is what? It's unbelief, right? If you find that you have pride in your life, if you find you have selfishness, idolatry, coveting, addiction, lust, anger, anxiety, unhealthy fear, apathy, laziness, any of those things, you will find that if you trace the root back in your life, there's there's a root of unbelief there. There's a root of doubt, doubting God's power, doubting God's character, doubting God's wisdom, doubting God's truth. There. Sin is always linked with unbelief. And so the challenge for us as believers is to keep our hearts from unbelief. To stir up our hearts in faith and affection toward God. Now, how is God going to do that? Well, God does that through lots of different ways. Let me give you a couple. He does that through the Holy Spirit. Okay, Every born-again believer is given who? They're given the Spirit of God to dwell inside of us. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. All right. What is that saying? That is saying, if you have the spirit, you're a believer, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not a believer, okay? So every believer has the born has the Spirit of God living inside of them. The, the Spirit of God to convict them. The Spirit of God to stir up their affections. The Spirit of God to point them to Jesus, all right? To empower them to live the Christian life. So how is God going to keep us believing? Through the Holy Spirit. How is God going to keep us believing? Through the Word of God, okay? The Word of God stirs up faith. And I'm just going to leave it right there because we're going to come right back to it in a second, okay? But let me get you to the third one that we're talking about today, verse 12 and 13, and that is the people of God. God. God gives us the church To keep us believing. Now, when I say the church, please do not think I'm talking about the 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 sheetrock and the paint and the paintings and the screens and the and the and the organ and the piano and the chairs and the carpet and the pulpit and the and the sound system. That is not what I'm talking about, okay? Because let me tell you, you can have all of those things and they do you absolutely no good in keeping you believing, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. When I say the church, I'm talking about the people of God, okay? Those who are genuinely born again, filled and equipped by the Spirit of God, pressed together pressed together for the purpose of enabling us to keep believing in faith my friends god has grace for you and that grace comes through the holy spirit it comes through the word of god it comes through prayer but it also comes through the people of god let me give you a couple of verses on that first peter 4:10 it says as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Okay, what does that tell us? Every believer has a gift. Okay, and that gift is grace from God, and, and, and you're to take that gift and be a steward of it. You're to you're you're to be a, you're to take care of what God has given you, and, and you're to use that to serve one another. Okay, so God's given gifts. God's given gifts to every born again believer, and, and we're to use that to serve one another to build up the faith of others. 1 Corinthians twelve pictures the church as a body. Okay, and in that body, there's hands and feet and nose and eyes and all this. And what the what First Corinthians twelve tells us is, you can't say you can't say to another believer, "I don't need you. I don't need the church. I can I can be a lone ranger Christian." It does not work that way. You need the church because God uses people to build up your faith. Now. What form does this take, okay? So what do we need to do? Do we just need to get in a huddle, you know? If we, if we all just get in a, a big kind of hug huddle, you know, and just, just press together and just sing kumbaya, does that do it? Does, that, does, that, does, it, does it just kind of transfer that way, you know? High fives, knuckles, you know, and bam, I'm believing now, you know? Is that the way it works? It doesn't work that way, all right? How does it work? Verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. My friends, verse 13 is an incredible picture of what the church is. Okay, If you want to know what does it mean to be the church, verse 13. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's what it means to be the church. Okay? Now, notice that word exhort. Let's, let's unpack that. What, how do I exhort somebody? The word exhort is the Greek word parakaleo. Now, why that's so cool is because in John 15, that's the word that's used for the Holy Spirit. Remember where it says the Holy Spirit is our helper? That, that's the same word. And what that word means is to come alongside somebody to help them, okay? Two things come alongside, help them. Come alongside, help them, okay? Now, now notice, come alongside implies uh, something really important. Close proximity, okay? Or what we might... I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before. What we might call it is Christ-centered relationships. That'd be novel, wouldn't it? We might call it that, right? We, we might call it getting a, a, a spiritual friendship with somebody in order to help them. That's what the Bible says we need to do. Our theme verse for our small group is Romans chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. And the reason that's our theme verse, or actually it's 11 and 12, is because in that passage, Paul says, and at the end of verse 10... Man, I I want to succeed in coming to you. Verse 11, I long to see you. What's Paul doing there? He wants to come alongside the Roman believers. He wants to build a spiritual friendship with them. He wants to be at their house. He wants them to eat lunch together. He wants to go to McDonald's. He wants to talk about Jesus over french fries. That's what Paul wants to do, okay? He wants to come and see them. Why? Let's keep reading. Verse 11, that I may impart you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. What's Paul saying? He's saying the same thing that Hebrews is saying. He's saying, being the church means I want to encourage you to keep believing. I, I, I want to be used by God to keep you from having an unbelieving heart. Okay? So two things there. Come alongside and help them keep believing. Help them keep going in the Christian life. I tell you what, the greatest example of this, the greatest illustration, let's say that. It's not only an example. It's an illustration. Is when we take our students on Journey Quest and Red Cloud. I, I'm t- there is nothing, no greater example of this principle than when, when we take our backpacking trips. The rafting trips are good. The, the rock climbing trips are good. But I tell they have other purposes. But that backpacking trip is a beautiful picture of the church. In fact, I am kicking around the idea of taking an adult one. I mean, I really, I've talked to several people. And, I mean, I just, I I almost think it would be good just for us to see this, okay? Because it happens the same way every time. We we all get there. We're a bunch of Oklahomans. You You know flatlanders, and we get to the bottom we get all harnessed up packed up we're ready for three days in the wilderness and we're like all right guys we are going there there's where we're going the top of that peak 14,000 feet there's where we're going and we're like yeah 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 here we go and we all start out and before long it hits it hits right. I mean asthma, hypoglycemia I'm hungry, I'm a whiner I want to quit, why did I come can you call my mom, My, my I got blisters, my shoe blew out you know, my pack's too heavy it's rubbing a, a red spot on my back, I want to quit, I can't make it I can't do this Pastor Jason I can't do it, and we're spread out there, you know with, you know, you can't hike all together, and so we're spread out on the trail, and what happens, I'm telling you, we don't got to tell kids to do this That somehow, they know to do it we know to do this on the, on the mountain we don't know to do it here but you know what happens every single time somebody comes alongside It's beautiful I don't got to tell them to do it they just do it. They don't have to be friends even in fact that's a beautiful thing about it. what we see a lot of times it's somebody comes alongside literally you know what they do they turn around and they see them and they go back and they come alongside Hey man how you doing? you doing okay? Sometimes it's just talk. Sometimes it's just encouragement. Sometimes it's, do you need some help? Can I carry your pack? You can help me adjust that? You, hey, we got some blister stuff. Here's a protein bar. Man, sometimes it's just, hey, we're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to do this. I, I, This happened to me last year. And I just, you, you you, can work through it, man. I know you can. Come on. And I mean, that happens over. And over. and the cool thing is that one guy will do that for another guy. You know, the, this guy's weak at that point. man. Two hours down the trail, that guy that's weak, he's doing it for somebody else. You know, I mean, we all fall into that. It's just this beautiful picture of the church. I've told Pastor Andrew, was like, that's the church right there, right there. And then we get back here and somehow we, it's harder, you know, somehow here, which it's, I don't know who's struggling. I don't, you know, I'm busy. I'm busy and 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 busy. We're all busy. We're all waiting for when we're not busy, right? That rest home experience is going to be awesome. You know, we, there's going to be glory that's going to come down like fire from heaven in the rest home when we get there. Because that will be the time when we are not busy. And we will just tear it up, won't we? Man, I can't wait. So, what's this going to look like? Okay, come alongside. Help them keep believing. All right, what it's got to look like is there's got to be truth spoken and modeled, okay? It's got to do with truth. How do we know that? Because what is our goal? Our goal is help them keep believing. Okay, now, what stimulates belief and faith in people? It's the truth of the Word of God, isn't it? Let me show you that, okay? Lest you think I'm just making it up. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Okay? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. The Bible tells us over and over, we've got to speak and encourage each other with the scriptures, with the truth of God. Colossians chapter 3 is an example of this. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Teach one another. Speak to one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you and, and give that to other people. The, the, there's this aspect of speaking God's truth to other believers. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that the word of God is, 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 is what we need to build up the faith of others. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent and equipped in every good work. Man, the word of God is what builds up faith. So when we come alongside somebody... In, 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 our brothers and sisters in Christ. What do we? What, what's our main objective? I, I want to communicate truth to them. Okay. Now, what? Which truths? I mean, there's a whole bunch of them in here, right? Which which truths? Well, primarily truths about the glory of Jesus. Okay. I don't know about you, but that's what I really need most of the time. Okay, I I really need someone to encourage me to trust Jesus, that Jesus won't let me down, that Jesus is right about this, that he is wise, that he is good, that he loves me. That He's got a plan for me that he's working in my life. I need to hear truths about Christ. Okay. now, now, are there times that I need to hear truths about sin? Yep. Yep, there is. There's times where I need someone to say, hey, buddy, you're off track a little bit, you know. I think you need to get back on track, and you know this this is going to lead in misery. It's not going to be good. I need to hear that sometimes. I, sometimes I need to hear truths about God's plan. Hey, Pastor, you know, remember remember this is this God's plan about marriage. You know, here's what here's what the Bible says. This God's plan about work. You know, so we need to hear that. We need to hear truths about the gospel. You know, what's true about me? What's true about you? If you're a believer, well, you're you're forgiven and you're 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 sanctified and reconciled to God, and you're a child again. We need to hear those things, okay? But mostly, heavily. We, 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 need, we, need to, we need to cast Jesus. That's what builds faith. It is talking about Jesus. Okay. Now, the reason that I say that is because I think if I don't say that, you know what we'll do? We'll come alongside and, and we'll do what comes natural, which is we'll point out people's sin. You see, we already do that. We already do that pretty well. You know, we do that in, in, in our religious righteousness. We already know how to do that. And so the problem is sometimes when the church gets together, they're not quite sure what to do. But they know they need to speak truth. But the only truth they can think of is, man, I can see you're in sin. I'll tell you that right now. I have saw that for a long time, okay? Have you ever played that game taboo? Who, who, anybody ever played that, you know? And so you, you got this word and you're trying to get your partner to guess the word. But there's other words you can't say. If you say, you break the rules, okay? If you say those words. Now, the way that, that, that you enforce this is somebody from the other team's looking at the card as well, and they have the buzzer. You remember the buzzer? <clears throat> you know, it's just a real annoying little thing. And it's the, honestly, it's the funnest part of the game, okay? The way we do it in our, in our family is the guy that's got the buzzer, he sits right by the guy, you know? This has caused marital strife, by the way, you know. But you sit right by and if they say it, you right in their ear, you know, and then they they gotta move on. They miss that point, you know. And and so sometimes, especially when my brothers and I get together, we get real zealous with that buzzer, you know. Uh, 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 You know, And, and it's just Hey, you know what? That, sometimes that's what the church gets mistakenly. We, we think that's really what we need to do, right? And so we get together and someone's saying, you know, well, you know, how's your life going? Well, man, I've just, you know, our life's been really kind of kind of busy and you uh, shouldn't be busy, you know? And, uh, you know, It's like, oh, well, I'm trying to share. Well, you know, how, how's, you, how's you and your wife? You know, it's been good. You know, she's not felt really well and that's been kind of hard. I, I've had to do a lot of other things. Uh, you should give unconditionally, you know? And it was just, uh, 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 you know? And, hey, you know what? There are times that I need, to be, I need to be shown my sin. There are. But most of the time, I already know it. You? Is that true of you? Most of time, I know when I'm not where I need to be. Most of the time, I already know that. I, I, I really... I, I mean, again, it's good. I, I want brothers in my life where if I am habitually going in the wrong direction, they are going to, in love, step in and help me. Okay? But, but most of the time, you know what I need? I need someone to show me Jesus. Remind me of where we're going. Encourage me that I can trust him. Affirm who I am in Christ. Pray for me. That's, that's what I need. Come alongside. Man, you know what this guy's doing in Hebrews? Let me remind you. How, 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 we've gone through three chapters. What, what have they been like? Well, it starts out in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus Who's Jesus? Keep reading. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He made purification for our sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, of the majesty on high. He having become as much superior to angels. Chapter two Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Chapter three starts out. Jesus is better than Moses. I mean, this whole chapter, this whole whole book so far has been, Jesus is better, Jesus is better, Jesus is better. That's what we need as the church. We we need someone to come alongside and and encourage us to trust Christ. Now, having known that, having known that, my friends, we we should be careful. We should take seriously the ministry that we have in the lives of other people. Okay, there's some of you, and by nature, you are the Lone Ranger. Okay, you have a mask, you've got a horse named Silver, and you love to get on it and go, off I go, I don't need you guys, right? I mean, you do. I mean, you're just, by nature, you're that. Hey, let 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 me encourage you in this way. God has built you to be a part of the people of God. God has built you to encourage the faith of others. If you are a genuine believer, God God has a plan and a place for you in the lives of other believers. Okay, that's the work of the church. A lot of times, when we think of the work of the church, what do we think of? Well, so and so is the pastor, and so and so is the the secretary, and so and so they're the janitor, and so and so is the Sunday school teacher, and so. Hey, that's not really the work of the church. Those are necessary positions to keep us organized, okay? You know what the work of the church is? The work of the church is you and me and us, each other, coming alongside and encouraging us to believe. That's the work of the church. The work of the church is speaking the truth of God into the lives of others in a loving relationship. That's the work of the church. In spiritual friendship, that's the work of the church. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Pastor, you have been hammering on this relationship stuff forever, and I tried it. I tried it, and it was messy, and it was demanding, and it was a little irritating, and it it kind of got hurtful and scary and hard. Here's what I would tell you. Awesome. You were doing it exactly right. Okay. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Okay. I mean, we're sinners being pressed together. Okay. If you come to me and you say, man, I tried this relational thing, pastor. I tried doing what you say with Christ in relationships. And it was just a utopia of joy. I tell you what, I, we never had a problem one. And these people are just the best things in slides. I'm like, okay, two things here. Either you haven't done this very long. Like you're on day two. Okay. Or you're not doing it at all. Okay. Because that, that is not my experience. My experience is people's lives are really messy. And we're broken sinners. And we struggle. Okay, and, it, and it's going to be hard. But what we have to understand is we have a window of opportunity that we must capitalize on. Okay, notice, notice the phrase today in the book of Hebrews, okay? It's everywhere. It's in our passage um, this morning. Verse 13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, okay? Let's back up. Chapter 3, verse 7, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Chapter 3, verse 15, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Chapter 4, verse 7, Today, saying through David, as long afterward in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. There's this word today, today, today. Why is it? What is it saying? It's saying, You have strategic opportunities that you need to capitalize on today. There's there's an immediacy. What does that mean? That means that within this room today, okay, and I don't know who, but within this room, there are people who are tottering on unbelief. There are people who are struggling to go forward. There are people who, who are on the slippery slope of unbelief. And you have a place in their life to come alongside and to encourage them forward in faith. To be used by the Spirit of God to help them keep believing. That's our place. And, and, and if, we, if we just always put that off, and if it's never... The way the, way the writer of Hebrews wants to see is that is today. That's not tomorrow. That's not next week. That's today. That's not when I get stronger. That's not when I learn more verses. That's not after I've been a Christian longer. That's not when my life gets less busy. None of those things are going to happen. It's today. You need to be that today in somebody's life. Well, How often? Man, this is, this is the part you want to, want to scratch out, okay? In fact, I'd like to see some of your Bibles. I bet there's a black line through these two verse, ver, words, okay? Verse 13, but exhort one another every day, right? Now, some of you are saying, man, once a week is enough to get together with another right? Every day. Why every day? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. How often do you struggle with sin? How often? Is is it a a once-a-week thing Sunday afternoon? That's why we meet Sunday morning to go ahead and get you all primed up and ready to go. Every day, right? Every day. We struggle every day. How how often are are we pressed and pushed? Every day, okay? And sin is deceitful every day. What we're battling against is this hardening that will happen in our lives because of the deceitfulness of sin if it's not held in check. Now, 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 notice it says sin is deceitful. You see that? Because of the deceitfulness of sin. How so? Sin always promises what it does not deliver. Right? It lies. You know what lies about most? God. Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, garden paradise, everything they need. God, Satan comes in. What does he do? He He undermines God's character. That's his whole strategy. His whole strategy is... God doesn't want the best for you. This other thing is better. God's not looking out for you. God's plan's not better. The Bible is not the best. The Word of God doesn't know what it's. It's old, it's outdated, it's no good. You, there's something else better. He undermines the character of God. And my friends, that will happen in our lives if we do not respond to the truth. If you'll notice back up in this passage about Israel, we looked at it last week, but verse 7, it talks about them. Resisting the voice of God. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't, 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 don't turn away from God's God's word. Don't don't not respond. And what happens when you when you don't respond, and there's a hardening that sets in in verse 9, where your fathers put me to the test, pretty soon you start testing God. You start doubting God. That's what happened in Israel when, when they came out of Egypt, right? They got to the Red Sea and and the Egyptian army was behind them. And what was their immediate what was their immediate response? Oh, God. God, why did you do this to us? Man, we, we knew we couldn't trust this guy. This is a disaster. It's not supposed to be like this. We're obeying God. Our life is supposed to be easy. God opens up the sea. They get through. It's a great victory. They go a little further. No water. What do they do? Immediately. What do they do? Immediately. God, why are you doing this? Oh, this is terrible. We can't trust you. And that Moses guy. What? Ah, he's the worst one of them all. God provides water from the rock. They go a little further. They're hungry. What are they? It's all the way until they miss the promised land. And the Hebrews 3 is saying, don't let that happen to you. Guard your heart. Guard the hearts of other believers. Because here's the deal. Sin is going to continue to lie. Wouldn't it be great if... Uh, If sin had to tell the truth, you know, have you seen those commercials where they, they advertise something as awesome, you know, sunshine, just beautiful picture. And then right at the end, there's a fine print, right? You know, and, and they talk really fast. You know, this, this drug could give you warts and you'll grow a third ear and you'll have, you know, one of your toes will fall off. And I mean, it's just all this horrible stuff, right? What if sin had to do that? Wouldn't it be cool if sin had to actually tell you the truth about the temptation, you know? say your marriage has been kind of rocky, rough. Been kind of cold to each other. A beautiful woman walks by, not your spouse. What if what if in that moment sin had to tell the truth? What what if in that moment you heard the cries of your children that would result from adultery and divorce. What if you saw a flash before your eyes of the devastation of your family, of the crushing of your spouse? What if, what if you felt in that moment the regret and the foolishness that, that you had put your hopes in believing that this person could somehow be the answer to your emptiness? What if in that moment you felt the guilt and weight of the eternal wrath of God? What if you felt all of that? You know, you see her and bam, all of that hits you. I got a feeling that sin would not be as appealing. What if, what if, you know, you're at work, someone does something mean, something cruel, undermine, they they make a comment and man, you feel so justified in just tearing them up, you know, and you even have this great opportunity, you know, devil gives you one of those slow sinkers, you know, it's like, oh man, I could say this, it would be funny and it would cut them deeply and it would be justified because of what they've done to me. What if what if right as that was rolling off your, your, your tongue? What if, what if you were, bam, you just saw the truth about sin? And what, what if in that moment you saw the years of broken relationship that would result from what you're about to say? What if in that moment you saw and you heard the venomous words coming out of your mouth and you saw that from a third party? You saw what that looked like to the lost people around you in your office or in your workplace who know you're a Christian. What if in that moment... In that moment, you'd be able to see that person's mind, and you would see that for the next month, they would roll what you said over and over and over again in their head. And you saw the bitterness it would create in them and how it would change the way they spoke to their children and to their spouse. I wonder if we'd still say it. You see, sin will never tell you the truth. But guess what? We can tell each other the truth. You see, sin's never going to tell you the truth. But we, we can tell each other the truth about sin. That That's why, verse 13, we exhort one another every day. Why? So that we don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We got to be that for one another. We got to tell each other the truth about sin. Because, because oftentimes we need to hear it from another perspective. You know, when you're in the midst of it, you can't really see it, can you? Man, I've been there. I've been there. I mean, man, I just, I know what's right. And I hear what people are telling me. But from my vantage point, it just seems like I'm justified. We need, we need other people to tell us the truth about sin so that we do not get hardened, hardened. That is a scary thought to me. You ever play the guitar? You know, uh, when you first start, man, your fingers just, I mean, It's painful. I mean, it's just like you're on raw nerves about the third day. And, and you can just hardly play. But you just force yourself to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And what you do is you develop calluses. Someone who's played the guitar a long time, they can put the tips of their fingers on a hot plate and it does not hurt them. Someone who's been playing the guitar a long time, they can, I, I, when I used to play, I could do this. I, I could take a pen and I could stick it in my, my finger. I used to do this to the kids, you know, my girls. I'd stick it in there, you know, like a thumbtack or something. I'd be like, ah! You know, and they, but it, I couldn't feel it. You know, because there's just all this callous built up. What happens when you resist the word of God? What happens when you hear? You hear and you don't act. 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 act. soon you stop feeling. You stop feeling love toward God. You stop feeling conviction. You stop. You stop feeling the necessity to obey. And you begin to get hard. So why do we need Christ in our relationships? Why do we need spiritual friendships? Why do we need to meet together? Why do we need to text each other? Why do we need to call each other? Why do we need to check up? Why do we need small groups? Why, why do we need that stuff? Why, why isn't this good enough? Well, this is good. The Bible tells us to do this. But here's the deal. It is so easy. I've, man, I've listened to a million sermons. It's so easy to hear and then just whew, go right on without ever responding. So you know what I need in my life? I need people who are close enough to me to see when I'm not responding to the word of God and who will encourage me and who will speak truth to me and who will love me, who will pray for me, who will affirm who I am in Christ. If need be, who will confront me with my sin. Because it's not enough to be a hearer of the word, my friends. We got to be a doer. James 1 James I'll close with this. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he's like. Picture there is of a guy who wakes up. Had a long night. Got a stopped-up nose. He looks in the mirror. He's got crusty boogers on the side of his face. He looks at him. Oh! He turns around. He forgets what he saw. He goes to work all day. Hey! That's what. That's what a hearer, not a doer, the word is like. I mean, that, that's the picture there. You, you know what I appreciate. I appreciate people who will tell me when stuff like that happens. Because there's sometimes we do that, right? Now, what should we do? We should look at the mirror of the word of God and we should say, wow, I got some ugly in me. I got I got to, I got to repent of that. I'm not going to keep that. I'm not going to walk away with that ugly thing in me. I'm, I'm going to take it to Jesus. OK, but when I don't do that, you know what I need? I need people who will help me. We were at Taco Mile the other day, and we uh, were eating. And I was getting up to leave, and Pastor Andrew was kind of sitting on the other side. And he got close to me. He said, "Hey, Pastor," he said, "You got you got something in your beard." I took a napkin and got it out. You know, I'm thankful for that because I would have went the rest of the day. Okay, spiritually, spiritually, you got something ugly in you. Don't you want people in your life who will encourage you? Well, let me tell you, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, covetousness, lust, greed. That's a whole lot uglier than sour cream. I mean, it really is. And, and I, I want people walking with me and helping me be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Let's be that to each other. Small groups start next week, way. Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that we would not be hardened to it. I pray that we would not buy into the deceitful lies of sin. But God, I pray that you would enable us to exhort one another today and every day. Lord, I pray that we would not have an unbelieving heart. God, help us to be the church to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.